This is Bridges of Hope with your host, John McToothley, a renowned motivational speaker and cultural intelligence coach, facilitator, and bridge builder. This is Bridges of Hope, building bridges that connect destinies. Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to Bridges of Hope podcast, a place where we build your faith and building the bridges that connect destiny. My name is John Matufe, and I'm so excited to be sharing the message of hope with you on this chilly and cold morning. And I hope that this can keep our hearts warm as we delve in the Word of God together this morning. In fact, the message that I want to share with you is very, very close to my heart. Um, this is what I believe I was born for. This is what I, I breathe. This is what I eat. This is my passion in this country. And I believe it is also a message of healing, especially in the time that we live in in our nation. So while the message is found in the book of Genesis and Genesis chapter 4 from verse 8, from verse 8 to 10, and I'm going to read it in King James Version. And it reads as follows, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, verse 9, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? What a question. And what a shocking, shocking answer. I believe that this is so relevant even in in the times we're living in in South Africa, looking at the division and the hurts and a lot of people walking around with wounds that are not healed. And recently we just seen um, some of the clips making rounds on social media about the language of hatred. And that's why I truly believe that as the church, as the body of believers, as the nation, we need to come to a place where we can answer this question. Where is thy brother? Where is thy brother? Well, we learn in the book of James chapter 1 verse from verse 14, And it reads, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full full grown or matured, sorry, it gives birth to death. This is absolutely true. In this chapter, we learn of of the very first offspring of the sin that was committed in the Garden of Eden, which caused the first man his his God-given dominion over the earth, more so his internal life in the presence of God. We learn of the first murder between first brothers of the humankind. Cain and Abel. 
where came the older brother murdered his younger brother and buried him on the same field where he used to take some of the crops and offer to them to God as a gift, concealing the matter, hoping that nobody will ever know. Likely for Abel, though no soul witnessed the incident when it happened, but the God who sees everything and the God who is omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, saw it all. He saw when Cain slew his brother, when he murdered him, and when he tried to conceal the murder. So here we find that Saul was not only the first man to take life, but he was also the first man to be caught, the first man who could not get away with murder. <clears throat> I mean, when I was reading this, I was really much so encouraged. You know, there's a lot of people in this country that are crying and fighting for justice. And we have even went and adopted extreme ideologies in search of justice. But I took courage when I read this this morning that even though nobody can ever stand for you when you have been done wrong, when injustice has been done to you, we can always take courage that God, the all-seeing God, is able to bring justice for those who needs justice. So this also says to us as the people that vengeance does not belong to us, but vengeance belongs to God. God who can see the secrets, even the deepest and darkest secrets of men. He's even able to see when evil is conceived in man's heart before it can be implemented. And that's why we need to look up to God. We need to look to God, not to men, for our justice. So we read in verse 9, God is asking him a question. He's asking Cain a question that will haunt him for the rest of his life, not only him, but the human generation for centuries to come. And the question was, where is Abel your brother? Where is Abel your brother? And I believe even today in communities, everywhere we are, as we look at the brokenness that we find ourselves as the nation in, as South Africa in this nation, God, even today, is asking that question. He's asking that question of me. Where is my brother? Let, let us even take it further. In the, in, the, in the midst of women abuse, children abuse, 
God is even asking, where is your sister? Where are you when these things are happening before you? Where are you when women and children are slaughtered in this nation? What is your answer to that question? Where are you when you see some of your brother being murdered in the communities that we live in? Where is your voice? What do you say when you see the murders that are happening on the farms? When our farmers are being killed, are being murdered in this nation, where is our voice? Where is our voice as a nation? Where is our voice as the body of Christ? This question is not only shocking, but have, have set into motion a curse which still haunts the world today. And the answer that Abel, that Cain gave to God was, am I my brother's keeper? What a shocking answer. God is asking him, where is your brother? And instead of him coming clean, he gives God a shocking answer that continues to haunt us even today, even in this nation, this beautiful nation of us, South Africa. When God asked him, where is your brother? Cain answered and said, am I my brother's keeper? And it is from this seat that the people of different races, different ethnicity and nations, families and brothers and sisters, were and still divided, failing to be accountable to each other. Wars of all kinds, civil wars and political and religious, are still fought because of this curse the curse of the answer of Cain to God. Am I my brother's keeper? Imagine if Cain gave a different answer to God. Where would we be as the world, as the human nation? Where would we be? Imagine if Cain came clean repented and became honest and admitted and said, God, I have wronged you and I ask you to forgive me. Perhaps God would have forgiven him and the curse could have been stopped. But today we suffer the consequences of us looking the other way when you see your brother, when you see the injustice happening to your brother. And because sometimes it's not somebody who looks like you and it's not somebody who looks like me, I only respond to somebody who looks like me 
if they are in need and if I see any injustice happening, then I will speak up. And I remember I was also confronted by the same question here in Senegal during the death of Brendan Horner. When I first saw the face of that young man, that young white man, 21 years old, who was murdered nearby Senegal on the farm. And when I saw his face for the first time, I realized that I have been operating in the curse of Cain. I've never, I've not, I've not been my brother's keeper. I have been silent, representing my people, especially the black people in this nation. We have been silent about the killings of farmers. We have been silent about the slaughtering of our brothers. And I mean, this is not only a challenge to the black people, but it's also a challenge to all races. It's a challenge to the white nation in this night, white brothers and sisters in this nation of ours. Do you speak up when you see the injustice happening, especially when it happens to people who are not necessarily your people as we have this saying in, in this country, them and us, my people and your people. And when I was confronted by this, for the first time I realized that I needed to change my heart. I needed to rethink this scripture, what it actually means to be my brother's keeper. It means what affects my brother must affect me. What affects the colored community, what affects the Indian community, what affects the white community, what even affects the foreigners in this nation. As much as there's so much hatred, hatred against the foreigners, it must affect me. Because if I am truly the child of God, if I'm born of the seed, the divine seed of God, I need to be my brother and my sister's keeper. In fact, Jesus, our elderly brother, broke this curse on the Garden of Getsman when he accepted that carp. When he accepted the carp, he was actually also breaking the, breaking the curse. And when he went up to the cross and he drank of the cup for our sake to keep us and to reconcile us back to God, he did not become for us the second Adam, but he also became the second Cain, who not only gave life as the, as the second Adam, as the scriptures uh, um, um, uh, describe him but as also our second Cain he gave his life he gave his life 
to keep us in the kingdom of God. And to keep us as his brothers. So Jesus here gives us an example of how to be your brother's keeper. When you are your brother's keeper, you give yourself for your brother. In South Africa, where we have inherited a history of apartheid that continues to divide us even post-1994, when we were declared over the world as the rainbow nation, today we are more divided than before. There's so many radical people and even politicians that are riding on the wounds of the past, the wound of apartheid, to even divide us further. But it is in this time that we have more responsibility as the body of Christ, but also as the nation, as the church, to disciple our nation in this, in, in this truth and to reverse the curse for the sake of the next generation, to reverse the curse of Cain for the sake of the next generation. We have a responsibility. And I don't believe that there is anyone that the Lord has trusted to bring that healing and to build those bridges of healing for communities and for our nation, if not his people who understands the power of reconciliation, as the Bible says, that through Christ we have been reconciled with God. And we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. If it doesn't happen in the church, it will not happen in this nation. If it is not seen in the church, the world will never experience what is like to be my brother's keeper. The time has come as the church to take our rightful place and disciple the nation into healing and reconciliation. We need to reverse the curse. We need to answer the question and we need to say, yes, I am my brother's keeper. It doesn't matter what the going narrative is out there. We must not be timid. But we must know that in God, we are one. And we are accountable to each other. I am accountable to my brother. He's accountable to me. So when God comes and asks this generation, where is your brother? We, we better be ready to say, yes, God, I am my brother's keeper. Here is my, my brother. And I believe this with all of my heart, that the church can model that for the world. And I was so sad in my heart when I, when I heard again the song sang in one of the events 
kill the farmer, kill the boar. And I was more shocked to see that nobody is standing. Yes, I appreciate there is a lady that I saw, the lady made a video, very bold and courageous woman. And we need people like that, people who will stand up and say, you know what, this is wrong. And this must stop now in this country. How can you have a song in this time in South Africa, in a democratic South Africa? How can you have a song that threatens the life of other people who are citizens of this country? How can we celebrate hatred in this nation? How can we feed on this culture of hatred and racism in this nation? How can we stand by and watch? Just because the song is not directed to me as a black person, does that make me feel safe in this country? Just because the song is not directed to any race, it's only directed specifically to a certain race in this nation, particularly the farmers. We need to stand up and we need to speak up. And I want to challenge especially the believers in this nation. We must change the narrative in this nation. We must bring back the narrative of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of righteousness and love. We must speak up, spiritual leaders in this nation. You must make your voices heard. We must be our brother's keeper. If we celebrate these this, this songs and, and, and slogans of death, what we are actually doing, we are worshiping the spirit of death. That was more than a song. That was a declaration of death and bloodshed in this nation of ours. And I want you to look into your heart. What is your answer to this? When the enemy rises up and raises his voice and sing a song, kill the farmer, kill the boar, what is the song? that the church is raising up in this time? What is the song that the church is raising up in this time? The church of pre-1994, that church must come back. That church must rise up. A church that came together and fought and prayed for the regime of apartheid to fall, for us and everyone in this country to have the freedom that we enjoy today, that church must awake and it must rise up and begin to take its place. It was the church that prayed against the civil war that was facing this country. The miracle the miracle journey of South Africa. 
A, do a documentary was even made out of that, showing how the church played a role to give to birth, to give birth to a nation that we have today. And one of the classical examples of being my brother's keeper is the relationship between Jonathan and David. Their relationship is a classical example of how to be your brother's keeper, especially in the fragile nation and times that we live in in this country. And here in the relationship of Jonathan and David, we learn of four critical principles on how to be my brother's keeper as we go to the close. Number one, Jonathan was covering David. If you are your brother's keeper, you cover one another. If I see that my brother has got a weakness, then I go and I cover, I cover him. Jonathan, number two, he was serving David. He served David. If I am my brother's keeper, I will serve my brother. When I serve my brother, it doesn't mean that I put myself above him. Number three, Jonathan was honoring David. And it was the honoring that he gave to David that released David into his destiny. Number four, he encouraged David. And the last one, which is my favorite one, he celebrated David. When David came back with the head of Goliath, Jonathan was a prince. He was supposed to be the next king, but he knew his place. He was never jealous of his brother. The Bible says when you read in, 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 in 1 Samuel chapter 18, it says, when, 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 when David and Jonathan met, they had a bond, instant bond. They fell in love with one another. And I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage South Africa. And I want you to look around and find your brother. Are you your brother's keeper? You know, if we fail to keep one another, if we are silent when these unrighteous things happen in our nation, in our communities, we will be as guilty as those who commit them. We will be as guilty as those who call for bloodshed in this country. The, the blood of the innocents will be in our hands. So come on, South Africa. I encourage you this morning. Be your brother's keeper. Until we meet next time, I hope you were blessed and I hope you were challenged. And I just want to pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. We pray that God, you will bring back 
the spirit of Jesus in our hearts, that we will answer this question when you ask us of our brothers, that we can come, we can confidently say, yes, Lord, I am my brother's keeper. Help us, Lord, to break this curse over our nation. In Jesus' name, amen.